0: So, welcome to this evening session. A lot of people here. Cool. Uh, My name is Jan Metzner. I'm a Specialist Solutions Architect uh, for IoT uh, with AWS. And, uh, yeah, welcome to this evening session about uh, IoT and prediction. Um, With me, we have later on Jens Kreiner from SKF who will tell us a little bit more about the real-world use cases that they have. Um, So what will we talk about in this session? Um, If we talk about prediction and IoT, first thing is you need to sense data. You will see later on how we do that. Um, The second thing is you need to do something meaningful out of the data. Uh, so just sending the data will not help. You need to do a little bit more. We'll talk about this one as well. Then, obviously, the talk covers machine learning. I will show a little bit, okay, how to use Amazon machine learning to classify data. So to do even more than just what is the data, so just classify the data. Um, I will do this in a live demo. I hope it works, so um, yeah. Can work, it cannot work just worked a few minutes ago, but we'll see that. And afterwards we have Jens, and he will tell you how this is done actually in a real world uh, scenario at SKF. So let's get started. Um, let's use a use case. Um, one use case uh, which we brought up is wind turbines. Um, this is one of the wind turbines from Amazon. This is Jeff Bezos there. Uh, If you think about wind turbines, what uh, is really interesting for prediction um, in terms of failure rates is actually the main gear. So if you look in there, there's a main gear, it's a planetary gear, and you can do something with attaching zenders there. Because you can predict actually um, if the gear will fail at some point, or if it is already failing. If you come a little bit back, okay, what, what does it mean? So in general, it means uh, if I have a system, a machine, I need to detect different states. If it is failing, if it will fail, if it is totally broken. You, as a person, need to know this. Okay? You need to know the different states. It's not like we from Amazon will give you this, or our services will give this to you. You need to know what the machine is actually doing. You need to know actually how the machine is reacting. Okay. I mean, still you can do analytics uh, and see something, but you need to know actually what's happening. Okay. What is happening if the frequency uh, uh, spectrum is different? Okay. At some point, you need to send a technician and so on. So you need to know something there. And you need to know what data it produces, because just the data will not help you. You need to know what the data is. And we will look into this later on. So how do we do that? We have different services. So Amazon has all those building blocks. So let's dive deeper into two of those building blocks, which I will show today. The one thing is uh, Amazon Machine Learning. The other one is um, AWS IoT. So let's dive into the little bit more complex one, I, say, uh, I would say, for this talk. That is Amazon Machine Learning. So Amazon Machine Learning, um, sorry, Amazon Machine Learning is um, a service where you just put your data in. We will create, actually, a model out of that. And you can do prediction with that. So how does it look like? Um, we support three types of predictions. Um, the first one is a binary classification. So just, OK, this is yes or no second one is a multi-class classification. So I get, can detect a category from a list of items. And the third uh, uh, prediction is a regression, which means I can predict a, a numeric value. So how many sales will I have today? Amazon machine learning uses linear models. So there are a lot of different machine learning models. Amazon machine learning uses uses linear models, which means it can exactly do this. It can do a classification depending on linear weights of the data. And it can do a regression on top of this as well. To do the prediction, you have two types. You can do a batch prediction, which means you, for example, just have a lot of CSV files and just funnel this to Amazon Machine Learning and you get a prediction for that. Or you can create a real-time endpoint and do real-time predictions on this endpoint, which means the model will react instantly and you will see later on how instant this is, so there is some, some latency, but it's still real-time in terms of what we in the cloud see as real-time. You can tune the model, so I will show later on a little bit how the GUI looks like. But it's like that, so that you can tune the model a little bit in different directions, um, depending on the data and the data you know. Okay, so you need to know, okay, what is happening there and what is uh, how many false positives, okay, and so on. So you can adjust this a little bit. On The training parameters, because you need to train the model with the training set of data that you have, there are different options to tune that. So one is the model size. Model size means, okay, how much RAM is used to do the prediction. Less RAM, obviously it's faster, but uh, if you have too few RAM, obviously um, the prediction uh, will not be as accurate. Second thing is um, number of passes for the training. So if you have a small data set, you can increase the number of passes to just increase the accuracy. But it doesn't mean that it will help all the time. So if you do that a lot and increase it a lot, it will not help. So you can adjust that. Next thing is data shuffling. So the algorithm goes sequentially over the data, which means... In order to have a good model, you need to randomize and data shuffle just the rows a little bit to, um, to, to just have um, a more gener- generic model that is not fitting just to this training set that you provided. And so, uh, the fourth thing is the regularization. This is really important. So you can create a model that really fits your training data. That's the right thing. You see it fits exactly the training data that is there, but it will not fit any other data. It is not general enough to do predictions. If you see the left-hand side, it's um, too easy. Okay, so it will just, for some data it will work, for some other data it will not work. Okay, And you can adjust this, and something in the middle is what you want to have. A fitting that fits most of the use cases that is general enough so that it's not only fitting your training data, but also the data that you're funneling later on to the model. Just be aware, obviously, you need to retrain the model. It's not like, okay, I'm building the model and then I'm done for 10 years. You need to retrain the model based on the data that you're gathering all the time. Doesn't need to be all the data, but at least you need to retrain the model. Now let's get to AWS IoT. AWS IoT is, uh, I would say, the entry gate for um, IoT devices um, to AWS. So it uh, holds the connection from a device to the cloud, to a broker. It holds a a pub mechanism, so I can send messages in and out. Um, It can obviously scale to millions of devices easily. It does the security right for the devices, which means each device has its own authentication, so it has a certificate and a private key. AWS IoT manages this all for your devices, regardless how many you have. And uh, it does also fine-grained permissions, so you can have a fine-grained authorization mechanism in order to do Internet of Things, which means you're connecting different things together, but only those things are allowed to talk to each other through the broker. Then obviously the the heart is the broker that is just handling the message between different things and different participants. And then they have uh, something like the rules engine. The rules engine itself can read data out of the broker. So it can matches some parts of the data, out all of the data, and can react on those data. One thing the rules engine can do is actually it can look into the data. If it's JSON data, it can look into the, really the data and it can, for example, just react if certain values are true or not. Um, It can reformat the data, but most importantly this is actually the point where the integration to all the other services or parts of the other services which we have on our platform is done. So there are actions in there to call other AWS services. You see there's a bunch of services. Today we will concentrate actually on the machine learning part. So there's a direct integration to machine learning. So you can funnel data to machine learning and get a prediction back directly from the rules engine and can then, for example, do something with a prediction, send an alert. In the demo, you will just see it is republished on the broker to a different topic. But still, it is in the system and you can just plug and play and uh, add more services if needed. So let's look at an architecture. This is the architecture that you will see later on uh, in the demo. Um, if we go back to the, the use case, if it is um, a gear, and you want to measure, actually, the vibration. Vibration means you have a lot of data. Okay, so you do need to measure a lot of data to really see okay, what is happening there. You can try to funnel all the data to the cloud, but it probably doesn't make sense. What you need to do is actually you need to create something out of the data that is still meaningful and just use that to uh, to funnel to the cloud. And maybe you don't need to funnel all the data to the cloud and not all the time. So what I'm doing there, and which is very common, is I'm creating uh, a spectrum out of the data. So you have frequency. And they, out of the, uh, just the amplitudes, you can do um, an FFT. And then you have, actually, the frequency spectrum, which means you know, OK, which frequencies exp- uh, appear in this period of time. And this is quite compressed. In this example, it's a little bit noisy. I will tell you later why, but in a real uh, example, it's not that noisy. So it's compressed, and it's very specific. And it doesn't mean that you need to send this all the time. So you can send this, for example, every hour or whatever. But it is, uh, you can use that to detect, for example, has the system changed or not. So this is done here on, with AWS Greengrass. So our edge service which is running on the device. Obviously, you can also do that in a normal device, but it's just some kind of business logic which is running on the device, and it's not running in the cloud, because as I mentioned before, it's not possible to funnel all the data to the cloud. Next thing is a device gateway, so this is AWS IoT, the the big box there, and you see the different topics where the data is coming in, then you see a rule, an IoT rule which matches and just archives the data. That is the bottom rule. It just archives the data. So I can do machine learning afterwards or do the initial learning with that and uh, have a history of the data. And then you see the second um, rule. That's the one in the middle um, where we do the prediction. So we have, as I said before, there's a direct pass to, to Amazon machine learning. We do a prediction and it comes back into the rule, and I can do something with the result. In this case, very easy, we just republish this on a different topic, but in a real scenario, you could uh, run the Lambda function. You can do whatever you want, since we have so many integrations inside AWS IoT. So, let's just do this live and I will just show you what I have uh, set up here. So I've made a small planetary gear, so similar to what you've seen in the windmill. So it is laser-cutted, and it's, since it's handmade, um, it's not as accurate as the stuff that SKF is building, but um, uh, it's quite okay for the demo. Um, I have different gears. So this one, uh, you see it's okay. Or you don't see that, but you will uh, see in a second that this one is definitely not okay. okay. You see there are broken teeth. This is an easy scenario, but it, it just shows you that you can de- really detect this. If you do that on a more accurate gear, um, it's even easier to detect because this one has a very noisy frequency spectrum. So before we start, actually, let's look how to train the data. The first thing what you need to do is you go to Amazon Machine Learning, You see that? Let me check, okay. And you funnel in data that you already gathered. You saw in the architecture, I had data in, um, uh, through Firehose stored in S3. Um, so I have already the data in S3. And I can just say, hey, load, please load this data. Next thing is, obviously, these are the different frequencies uh, what, uh, which are coming in. Um, I will take all of those, and they are already marked. Um, and more or less, the last thing what I need to do is I need to define a target. So I've already classified the trainings data, so this is something that you need to do. You need to sit there and say, this gear is broken and I have the data for this broken gear. So this is what I have in the CSV data as trainings data uh, uploaded to S3. And this is just the target that I've selected. And then more or less, um, I'm just walking through, through this and In the end, I'm selecting here the default recommendation, otherwise I could, as I've told before, I can adjust the model a little bit. And then in in the end, I would just click here, create ML model. I will not do this now because it will take some time, but you see it's quite easy once you have the data and once you have classified the data initially for the training. Um, Then the next thing is you go to AWS IoT. You just click quick here so so you go to AWS IOT, go to act you create a new rule there. This is a rule that is matching on different types of data that is uh, coming through the, uh, through the broker. So I have already created a rule here. Um, a rule itself uh, is expressed in a SQL type language, um, which means you're selecting from a topic. You see here, I'm selecting from this topic, this is the input topic, and this is the integration to machine learning, so I'm doing, uh, I'm calling a function which is called machine learning predict. This is a model I'm calling, and that's an IAM uh, role that AWS IoT needs to assume to access and do the real-time prediction. And in the end, I'm doing an action, which could be sending out um, an alert via SMS or um, funding this to Lambda, or in this case, just easily just publish this back to uh, the broker um, just on a different topic. So this is all I need to do. And then I can really try to see if I can do something with that. To make it more easy to see what's happening, just clear this a little bit. This is a test console. So you have a test console inside AWS IoT where you can just subscribe to certain topics and see what's, uh, what data is uh, flowing through. You will not see all of the data if there's too much data, but at least you see some of the data. Um, next thing what I've, I did is, let me just run this one as well. Um, I wrote a small script which is also um, it's just a website. It's connecting to AWS IoT from the outside and it's just displaying the data that is coming in. So the frequencies that are coming in from the device will be uh, just graphed here. So it's a small graph and you see just the frequency spectrum as it in. So, um, and obviously the device itself, um, you see here it's uh, a BeagleBone, bone, but in, in the end it doesn't matter what kind of device it is. As I said, you need to do an FFT there, and you need to send the data to, to the cloud. So let's just start that quickly. So let's start with a good one. So it takes some time to do the frequency uh, analysis. Uh, So this is done on the device itself. You see the frequency spectrum here, it's kind of noisy, but still it's there. And here you see, um, on the first thing here you will see Data. So you see the data, how it is uh, funneled to the cloud. And here you see, actually, the prediction result from coming from the uh, machine learning service itself. So this is republished there. And I'm just showing the re- complete result, which you get. So you see what you get is here. You get the label, because it's a classification and you get actually um, the accuracy. You see 97%, uh, but it will change because it's actually from the flight here, it's uh, not as accurate as uh, I trained the model uh, at home, but uh, still you see it's quite good, and it is changing, and it is predicted. It takes some time. It has some latency until the prediction comes back, but for this type of use case, it's totally fine to do that. It would be even okay sometimes to do that in batch. But here we do that in real time inside AWS IoT. So what will happen, actually, if we just replace this? So again, this... Uh, yeah, so now you see that, or not. No. Nope. Okay, it's too late, it's four o'clock actually, European time, but yeah, so this one is really broken and we'll just attach this. So the frequency spectrum looks similar. Yeah, is this not moving? Ah, here we go. And you see, oh, shit. So you see, yeah, it's kind of broken. So it it was easy to detect that. Obviously, in a real-world scenario, it's not as easy. Yes, it is. It's a little bit easier because the noise is not there. But you will have different gears and so on and so forth. So... The world out there is much more complex. But you see, getting started to do that, it's definitely kind of easy. And you don't need to do that much to make that happen. Okay, And from that part, actually, I would just hand over to Jens to see how this is actually done in a real-world scenario, and how they use not only machine learning, but What it needs to be done to just do that. Okay, Jens. Good. Just come on.
1: Thanks. So good evening. Yeah, pretty late. As uh, Jan already mentioned, also for me, I'm also nine hours uh, ahead of the normal time. Good. So it's it's moving automatically. Okay. What is the next? part of this session, about, it's about two use cases I want to present. It's about a real use case to create a smart product out of an existing product, um, and the second use case is about uh, fast analytics or uh, analytics uh, applied to a data set in a, in a pretty fast way, uh, data science project. So my name is Jens Kreiner, I'm working for SKF um, as a manager for the IoT development team, which is a team that uh, supports other teams within SKF globally uh, and also external customer projects. SKF is a bearing manu- or very well-known as a bearing manufacturing company. It's a pretty old company founded in 1907, so more than 100 years old, 110 years old now. And uh, we have more than 44,000 people working in SKF globally. And we are distributed around the globe. So we are in more than 100 countries. We have manufacturing units. And we are nearly present in any country around the world with SKF people. When we look at SKF, we have defined two value propositions. Uh, one is for sure the product. So. We're producing bearings but also everything around the rotating equipment, how we call it. This means seals, lubrication systems. We are... Sorry. <laughs> and we are we are leading in this in this area. And the second value proposition is the rotating equipment performance. So and this covers all services and solution that helps our customers not just getting a good product from us. But also how to use the product on a daily basis to increase the efficiency. So if you if you have a a bearing for example and you don't lubricate it uh, as you should, the bearing will not uh, last as long as calculated uh, at the beginning. So the life cycle will be very short. If something unexpected happen, uh, then for sure also the bearing will die pretty pretty fast, uh, maybe. So, retaining equipment performance helps our customers to utilize the best or our products in the best way. When we talk about uh, digitalization or digital business, uh, we define this pretty simple slide. Um, so, on the bottom, we have uh, our so-called asset layer. These are all the products we produce, the physical, tangible products we produce in SKF. So, and we all know, we talk about IoT, Internet of Things. Uh, So these products get more and more smart. Um, That's something we we are all talking about now since uh, quite a while. On the other side, we have our customers. And the customers, they came up with more and more ideas, with more and more things and requests to us. And we want to deliver also new services to our customers. Maybe also services our customers are already not asking for, but we have some ideas what we want to do, but how to really connect this this existing product, make a product smart, or develop new smart products and connect it to the user value the smart services we want to deliver. And there's something in between, which is the so-called, we called it service layer, which is nothing else than we developed a digital platform that provides all kind of technology and services uh, to really build rapid prototypes, test, and real products and services. And this digital platform, uh, as you can see, we are using Amazon Web Services for the digital platform. It's about scalability, reliability, uh, cost efficiency, security, all these kind of things. So we saw a nice uh, live demo about uh, Gearbox. Um, about wind turbines. We are monitoring predictive maintenance is, is nothing new. The technology changed, changed over the last years, uh, that you can do the things in a different way. Uh, we in SKF, we built uh, condition monitoring systems more than 30 years ago. We built our own private cloud beginning of 2000. There was not the name cloud already existing, but it was just a need. If you think of these kind of wind turbines, Uh, So you need to bring the data somewhere in a central point where uh, engineers could look at the data and analyze. But I will not go into the details. So what we have here, we have existing solutions for doing predictive maintenance, uh, condition monitoring, uh, analysis. So we have software tools since a long time in the market that fulfills exactly this uh, use case or supports this use case. If it is wind turbines, uh, vessels, ships, paper mills, whatever it is. But the problem is that we get more and more data sets we want to include. So it's not all about purely condition monitoring. It's more data coming up, and we don't know exactly what kind of data are put on our table and what kind of cool ideas our customers have or internal we in SKF have. So we get more unexpected data sets. And we have also customers. they add additional sensors to what we supply to the customer, our technology. They add new sensors. Also, these data need to be, however, integrated into the system for analytical purposes. So how can we do that? It's pretty simple. We get a question, we should deliver an answer to our customers, and in the middle, we need some magic that happens. What we have worked on is that to get this data into, into an analytic or into something that we can analyze the data across all the different data sets, we started to develop this digital platform. This means we have a data lake, we have connectors uh, to the different data sources, we can apply nearly any kind of analytics. Um, and. This will end up then in two different things. One is the decision. that gives you just a clear, like we saw in the example, machine learning takes you to a decision, good or bad. Exchange, run, stop. These are clear messages. Insights is more the data science approach that you really look into. OK, what does it mean? Why does this happen? Yeah. Because to detect the defect is nice, but it's better to prevent the defect by understand what is the cause of the defect. So these are two different ways of looking into the data. So you need different uh, technologies and uh, capabilities to analyze the data. Let's start with the first real use case. It's about how to generate, in a fast way, a smart product based on an existing one. Um, So in this example, um, I talk about an actuator. Uh, It's an SKF product. You can see it on the bottom left here. It's a physical product, it's like a hydraulic cylinder, but it's not driven by hydraulic, it's driven by an electric motor. So you can very precise position this system. You can uh, really exactly uh, define what, what power, what force you want to have in the system. And this physical system is a system that we sell and we have services to it, and that's the physical layer. What we want to add a digital layer on top of that. And when we talk about a digital layer, this allows us to create additional services or uh, also digital products. And therefore, we need to connect this product and, uh, to, to the cloud or to a backend system. In this use case, we have here a surgical table. And the surgical table um, has four, it could be also more, depends on the type, has four uh, actuators inside. And each of these actuators are connected to a so-called single control unit. And that's just an electronic uh, device that steers the motors and controls the motors. So this is this unit. And if you're in the medical area, you are not allowed to just uh, change the electronics. So everything is certified. If you change something inside, you need to certify again. Our goal was to to be very fast in in really building a prototype, of solution that we can use to go to our customers and ask if this is the things they really uh, want, they like, and build a a real product and service out of it. So we decided to uh, build an external small uh, device, ROP. It's not the final name, but currently it's still called ROP. Rob for readout box, yeah, because it's just something that connects to the central uh, steering unit, single control unit, uh, and has GSM uh, uh, included, GSM network capabilities, Bluetooth, RFID, and Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is missing on the on the picture, but that's that's just a given thing. So we have all this this typical communication, wireless communication uh, possibilities. And there are a number of use cases we defined. I will talk about two different use cases. If you look at the left side, you see the OEM use case. And this is a digital product, which uh, is the traceability. So for compliance reasons, um, they uh, put four of our actuators into, into a surgical table. And for compliance reasons or for troubleshooting reasons, they need to know where. The different components are assembled in which surgical table and where the surgical table is really ending up in which hospital. Uh, And that's not that easy today. Uh, But with this solution, the RFID tags identify the actuator to to the ROP. This is pushed into the cloud. So we know exactly which actuator is mounted in which uh, surgical table and uh, we can easily trace that. This is a digital product for our OEMs. That's a typical, pretty simple thing. On the right side, it's the big data. So we design our products for something we expect or we assume how they are, how they are being used in the field. But that's experience and assumptions. But it's not reality. Because think of this surgical table, maybe you have four actuators. This does not mean that all the four exactly behave or are used in the same way. Why should they... Uh, uh, last in the same or they have the same time or life cycle uh, how long they last in the in the application so the big data gives us the possibility to throw all the data in about the the usage of the of the actuators to learn out of this data and use this for designing better products exactly for this kind of purpose also to identify failures machine learning and these kind of things to really help our customers to be more efficient in a design phase, but also in an operational phase later on. And there are other use cases, too. When we talk about a prototype, um, so this idea was born in June this year. Uh, and we decided, OK, let's, let's go for a rapid prototyping um, to build, really, a connected product uh, have the data in the cloud visualized, um, accessible, and so on. And then the, the second thing is the prototype. The third one is, then we take a decision if we want to go for a real uh, minimum viable product later on, or is, if maybe it could be also that it's not successful, or the customers don't like it. So how long does a project like this take? And the answer was given in June in the kickoff meeting because we said, this kind of project takes six weeks. Because all projects take six weeks. Why? We do a time boxing. We cut the scope down that we could deliver uh, within six weeks a prototype. We are not focusing on the quality in the prototype. It's purely to create a prototype that allows us to take a better decision than spending six weeks on PowerPoints and uh, drafting the requirements. And no one knows exactly if this is something that people would like. And after these six weeks, we decided, yes, the prototype was successful. It was connected. So let's go for some real further development. To be fast, you need to prepare a bit. So it's not about just uh, saying, we're starting from the scratch. What we did is that we develop the reference architecture that helps us to understand how we ingest data into our digital platform, how do we apply analytics for this data, and how to build a consumption layer uh, for this kind of of data at the end. And this is just visualized here in these three building blocks. I will not go into the details, because that's most probably a bit boring. But what you see here is. This is the ingestion. From here to here, we end up, we ingest the data. That's just uh, get the data into the data lake. Here is the uh, creating insights, analyzing the data, uh, to get really understanding what we can do with this kind of data. And if we learned what we can do, we automate it and put it in, oh, sorry, put it into this layer where we have the consumption layer. We transform the data for the consumption. If this is a dashboard, if this is an API, native app, a web application, whatever we want to do. In reality, this is the ingestion layer. It's a pure serverless application, or pure serverless uh, setup. So we have the capability for single ingest, multi-body, or multi-file ingest. In this case, we didn't use the IoT layer, because um, we started, we need to grab the data, or we need to cache the data on the device. Because these these surgery tables are partly in areas you are not allowed to have a continuous connection to the cloud. So from time to time, we upload the data, uh, depending on uh, the, the setup, where the, the surgery, surgical table is, and so on. So the data are coming in. We have lambda functions, and we uh, use step functions. At the end, the raw data will all be pushed into an L3. And then from there on, it will grab into uh, transformed into DynamoDB, which is also then a catalog for the raw data we have in. Then this is the, the data lake storage. So from there, we trigger, as soon as we have new items in Lambda, we extract them, and we build a common uh, d- data object out of this file. So we all, everything ends up in S3. Uh, we use JSON here, uh, and the JSON content is there. We are also schemaless in the data ingest. This means today we have whatever current, uh, position, cycles as, uh, as a data set we get. Tomorrow maybe we get temperature, we get force, we get whatever it is. Uh, it's just added, And we always extract the schema out of the ingested data. Um, why? Because this is exactly where we can apply any kind of big data analytic to this use case. And then down the road here is really going to the consumption layer. Um, but let's look into the big data. What does big data or uh, analytic really mean? It means that we have the raw data in an S3 bucket and we don't know exactly for what we need for an individual use case. So what we are doing is that we can apply the services like Amazon Athena or machine learning directly or Uh, spin up a Spark cluster to grab in the data uh, directly from S3, or in other use cases, maybe we use uh, an EC2 instance, and we can put whatever we need on top of that. And the good stuff is quite a lot of analytical uh, Amazon machine images are available. We can use just spin up. uh, We will see in the second use case case about analytics. And this is then the, the consumption layer I already mentioned. So we extract, for this use case, everything into a big SQL table, uh, where we can easily do dashboarding on top of that, just to create maps, uh, geospatial information, where they end up, uh, well, everything what, what, what we get from, from the uh, smart product, from the smart actuator, and for sure, uh, we have uh, also here uh, automatic analytic capabilities to push notification, to send out, to say, hey, there's something going on, there's a defect, or there's a failure popping up. So that's an active information which could be consumed in an easy way. And that's more the dashboard for the OEMs. As I mentioned, this was delivered in six weeks. But based on some pre-built stuff and for, based on an understanding how we really build this kind of data ingestion, consumption, and analytic capabilities. Unfortunately, this is a new project. As I mentioned, we have this integrated. So something is going automatically here. Um, but we don't have enough data to apply analytics. This is why I use another uh, use case, uh, Data Science. Um, this use case is about uh, car manufacturing setup. This car manufacturing setup—it's uh, just an example picture. I cannot put the right one in, but it, it shows uh, so-called conductor rails. Here you have conductor rails. You have uh, a car transportation system, and the conductor rail just, uh, is just—is the power supply for these moving assets. The problem is, uh, we already do condition monitoring, vibration monitoring, and so on on these uh, uh, systems, but there are problems with the conductor rails. Sometimes you have a problem with the conductor rails and then the complete system stops. And it's pretty hard to detect because you cannot detect it with vibration diagnostic because there's nothing vibrating uh, for if you have a defect there. The idea was that we put a high resolution camera on top uh, of the system and take continuously photos of the conductor rail. And this is exactly what we did. And this is one example of, of a photo. You see the green marked areas, they are all good. And you see the red one, and you have this small black point or dark gray point. And this is a defect. This is not a defect that leads to a stop. But this will, over time, lead to a stop if this defect uh, becomes more critical. What we did is that... uh, I have in my team not only developers, I have also a data scientist in my team, so to directly build a complete uh, solution, a complete uh, prototype. And he applied uh, data science technology, don't ask me all the details about that, to identify the defect. Well, that that's, was pretty fast done, but the problem is, You don't have only a straight conductor rail. You have conductor rails, you have slopes, you have curves, you have uh, these transitions where you mount or connect two conductor rails together. And if you apply this analytics directly here to the different things, uh, you end up in a mess. Because then (laughs) you always get a defect. So the accuracy is pretty bad. So what we want to do is we want to classify uh, the, the, the images. Uh, and that we only apply at the moment to the straight conductor rail images, this analytic. For the other, we need to, this is not done yet, we need to pre-process to adjust it in a way that we can again apply analytics to it. And for the, for the transition, we don't need it at all, because for the transition, there is no problem, because it's just the, the connectivity. No problem in this, like, like this one I showed. How do you classify? This kind of images. We decided that we use the MXNet, a pre-built uh, Amazon machine image, spin up an EC2 instance with this image, and um, you know, data scientists are playing around with data, but the most time they spend really on boring work, yeah, labeling data, cleansing of data. So that's that's not the funny stuff. So my data scientist Lucas got a, had a good idea. He just said, hey. Why should I label all the things, all the, the images? It's taking a long time. He labeled a bunch of uh, images, and then he threw the image into a deep learning uh, network, MXNet, and he tweaked it. And he get uh, not a high accuracy, for sure, but he get a pretty good filter of the images. And then he just went through these images, and said, correct, correct, not correct, correct, not correct, and this was much faster to label a huge amount of uh, images or an amount that is big enough for real training. And the second step was he had more training, labeled training data, and he throw it again into on a bigger instance and run it through, and the end was 99.9% accuracy. But that was the result. So now we have the classifier, we have uh, the model, uh, so that we only apply it to the right images. So what was the the things we we did? The images we get on a daily basis are 30 gigabytes. So we will not, Jan already mentioned it, we will not push all the data into the cloud, 30 gigabytes, for one transportation system a day. And if you have a longer transportation system, maybe you have 60 giga- gigabytes a day. So this means that we need to really do it on the edge later on. But we took these 30 gigabytes in an S3 bucket. We trained the model. We spin up uh, an a, a, a EC2 instance using the uh, uh, AMI Deep Learner uh, machine image with MXNet. So it was done like this. So my data scientist could focus purely on really tweaking the model and and build the data science model. We started with a T2 medium uh, EC2 instance for just exploring a bit. And later on, he spun up a P2X large to really have the power for processing the huge amount of data. The complete classification was done in a few hours, because he only focused on using the setup and not really configuring six, seven hours the technology stack. And then I asked, What was the money you spent for building this classification model? And then he said, I don't know. And then he calculated, and said, around a dollar. If you look into, into the cost, it's 90, 90 cents uh, for one hour of an EC2 P2 XLarge instance. Uh, 30 gigabytes on an S3. So it's really around $1 to just, just on a technology stack. So the cool stuff is, you could focus purely on the data science. And you can build this in really in, in, in a few hours, because you don't have to, to worry about the technology stack. And this is what we want to do in the data lake, so that we grab out the right technology that helps us to do the right things and create value instead of dealing with the technology. So next step, as I mentioned, is really deploying the MXNet model on an Edge device. This will be then in January after Christmas time. Until now, we are doing some other tweakings in this project. But then in January, we really go for a prototype or for a, a, a real solution for the customer. So the complete project was, again, delivered in six weeks. But we had some spare time in between in the six weeks. Yeah. Um, for sure, there's, there's hardware uh, also involved on, which are doing colleagues in SKF, so it's not. But the data science part was delivered also in a six weeks approach. So thanks. Also from my side. Yeah,
0: so I hope you have seen quite a big spectrum, what you can do, starting from just using Amazon machine learning as a developer using different techniques to ingest data to do prediction, and to use different techniques running on top of AWS to do machine learning and prediction. Okay, So thank you very much for this late session. And we Absolutely. both will stay here uh, for a few questions if needed.
1: Okay, Thanks. Thanks. Have a good day.